You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our ongoing discussion of the important topic of school safety. My next guest this afternoon as chief of department, Stephen Skrinecki is currently the highest ranking uniform member of the Nassau County Police Department and oversees all operational aspects of the department. Starting as a patrolman in the first and second precincts, Chief Skrinecki ascended the ranks and held the distinguished position of commanding officer of eight integral commands, including vehicle theft squad, robbery squad, second precinct detective squad, narcotics vice squad, second precinct internal affairs, and chief of detectives. Through these positions, he amassed extensive management experience and skills in the areas of investigations, undercover operations, community policing, media relations, personnel training, budgeting, and labor relations. Chief Skrinecki, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be with you. I, I greatly appreciate having you on. Uh, Chief, with, with the advent of Sandy Hook and too many other school shootings, how has your department responded to school concerns? Well, we, just like departments throughout the country, have been making modifications to active shooter situations and other situations that would even uh, preempt an active shooter situation since the Columbine incident many years ago. We have a in place now a very comprehensive program that addresses awareness, talks about detection, talks about intervention, and talks about a response. And if you'd like, I'll, I'll, I'll go through each one of those a little bit with you if you'd like. Oh, please do. So the first part of this, uh, the awareness, what, what we, we, we want to do is make sure that the schools, the police department, and any other re- resources that might be involved in this whole process, and when I say whole process, we don't want to wait to the point where we have a shooter in a school. We want, we want to be able to smell the smoke before the fire, so to speak, and do something about it. So... The awareness portion of this, we began in 2012, and the way we approached it was we brought in representatives from all 56 public school districts in Nassau County, as well as nearly all of the private schools in Nassau. We also invited, in addition to schools, I know that you're mostly concerned with school safety, but on this topic, we also brought in um, the shopping malls, major shopping malls some hospitals, and other areas of mass gatherings where we might have a similar situation. Mm -hmm. When we brought in the schools, what we wanted to do was talk about and open up a dialogue about what is the response from the police department going to be like? How do we manage these episodes? And what what are the protocols that exist within the school districts? And we want to make sure that there is an alignment that there is cohesiveness between the two protocols. So if my men are responding to your school, we want you to know what to expect of us, and we need to know what to expect of you, and we want to make sure that we're going to be functioning in some harmony. So that that's the first part of it. And, and to, to show and to demonstrate to the various school districts, and again, there's 56 districts and there's several schools in each district, so there's an awful lot of schools out there. We would love to be able to come on site 
and demonstrate or have a drill in every school in Nassau County, but the numbers are just prohibitive. So mm-hmm. what, we, what we did in the awareness portion is we, we videotaped our response, so, and we played that videotape for these school executives and for, you know, for some boots-on-the-ground people, too. We didn't just want to talk to superintendents. We really wanted to talk to the principals, people who are managing the schools themselves. And we show them uh, a videotape that's very graphic. It's, it's a, it's a mocked-up scenario of a school shooting. And we demonstrate the two types of response mode we have, one being a contact mode where there's a shooting in progress and we're actually responding and, and moving directly towards that shooting, and the other being a search mode where there, there was shooting and that it has subsided and we're searching the building. And we address those two situations differently. But we set up these uh, videotape scenarios and played them so that the schools would get a good feel for how we respond. And it, it's a bit shocking as well to, to have police mm-hmm. officers in in full contact mode moving rapidly through a school, going towards a potential shooter, bypassing possibly injured people, which is what we do in that situation, is a bit shocking, but nevertheless something that we need to talk about, something that the, the schools need to expect and know how to deal with that. A lot of discussion takes place about staying in your classroom, not to come into the hallway. Don't put yourself in a position while we're in that contact mode looking for the shooter where you might be confused as somebody who is a threat and possibly could be hurt inadvertently. So these are the things that we we wanted to talk about and we did talk about in the awareness uh, portion of that. Yeah. Next actually, I believe I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I believe I was, uh, actually in one of those, uh, we I don't know if you want to call them trainings, but seminars, in this, yep. this, the seminars. Now, this was the active shooter scenario you just, you just described, yes. correct? That is correct. And we, okay. and we, we were, we hosted those or we had certain, uh, universities hosted that, uh, for us. We're very thankful for Adelphi University and Hofstra University were kind enough to lend us their auditoriums. Uh, and we ran uh, several different sessions and invited a lot of people. I'm glad you were able to attend, um, and I hope you found it interesting and valuable, uh, and, and I'm sure you did. Well, I, I thought it was an excellent response to the question that many people asked regarding Columbine, that the police, not one police officer was injured. They were outside. They were safe. They, and, and yet there was shooting going on in, in, inside the building. And I said, And I thought this active shooter scenario is a perfect response to that. And clearly there was a, a dynamic change in our approach that was triggered by the the criticisms that you just mentioned that, that came from the police response at Columbine, where at that time it was standard procedure, and, and we were not uh, too different. It was standard procedure to wait outside, wait for the SWAT officers, wait for the special response teams to, to arrive and have them make an entry. But what we've all learned in, in too many horrible illustrations is that every second counts and that every second that we have to move in and, and, and confront the shooter and eradicate that situation is a valuable second and it could mean lives. So we, like almost every department in the country, adjusted our protocols and our methods and that's what you were, you were shown. You were shown our current methods. Uh, you were given some assurances that our people will come in immediately. They will form up 
in a quick between two and five man team. They'll enter the premise. They'll form up in a diamond formation that we'd practice and drill with, and they will move directly towards the shooter as promptly as possible. That's unfortunately uh, that's a response to the situation, but it's it's critical because that would be obviously um, at a moment when when lives are fully at stake. But the second part of our our program, which I think is the most important part was to talk about detection, to talk about the ability to, the way I like to phrase it, is smell smoke before the fire. And if you study almost every one of these cases that have occurred throughout the country and throughout the world, in most cases, in fact, way better than 50%, there is someone, some person who has some information to suggest that another person is socially maladjusted, is undergoing some kind of psychiatric uh, or is in the midst of some psychiatric problems uh, and that there is a indicator or indicators that this person may act out in, in an unaccepted way, in a violent way. So what we're really trying to drive home is to have the people who work in the environment, the teachers, the principals, the custodial staff, anybody who is in a school, be very attentive to students who may be demonstrating these kinds of signs. And those signs can be revealed through observed conversation between students, uh, that maybe uh, a, a note that's written on a on a wall in the school, or a social media message that is sent into the school. It can be picked up between students. To give you an example, uh, in Massapequa about a year and a half ago, uh, a student was in a uh, coffee shop. Uh, a high school student was off campus, but during during a school break in a coffee shop, and uh, this female heard uh, some other students talking, and one of the, the males in, in the group was talking about how he wanted to come into the school and shoot up the school, and then he wanted to travel to Europe and, and shoot up portions of Europe. Wow. She went, she went directly, and this is exactly what we're, we're, the message we're trying to get out. She went back to school right after that break, notified her teacher of what she had heard, a teacher brought her to the principal's office. She didn't know the name of the student, but she was given opportunity to look through photographs, uh, student photographs that, that the school had through yearbooks and, and other sources, and she was able to identify who that person was. The school principal called us, called the police, and we, by the end of the day, were able to uh, intervene, go to that student's house. We don't wait. When, when, when we mm-hmm. get information that something like this might be brewing, we're going to move quickly on this. So we do, we do a quick background check on the individual, see if there's any history of this, and then we're going to go directly to that individual's home. We're going to sit down with the parents, explain to the parents what uh, what is transpiring. We're going to ask the parents for assistance. We're going to ask the parents to be present. We want to interview the student, and we want to... Um, we want to examine whether or not this threat is feasible, whether this person is collecting weapons, whether there's mm-hmm. some means to carry out the threat. In this particular case, there, were, there wasn't the means, uh, and this individual was, 
was referred for some psychiatric treatment. We've had other cases where it was a little bit more blatant, where students are writing uh, messages or sending them in via email suggesting they're going to blow up the school, shoot up the school, that cause tremendous alarm because they're, they're so blunt. Yeah. Those now cases... We, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, Chief, Chief, would you agree that social media has actually given us some assistance? Because I know there was a child posting, I have a Uniondale Knights site um, for athletics, and there was a child who posted that, you know, he's literally posted that he wanted to commit suicide. And I was able to get the school counselors to intervene the next day, or or maybe it was the same day. I don't think I waited. And they ended up having the kid hospitalized that's, you know, that by later that evening. So do you find that that social media has been a, a, a support for you? We find that the, the social media is an opportunity to get some uh, heads up, if you will, to get some information that something is percolating, that something might be brewing, whether it's as you just described something where an individual might be causing him or herself harm or whether they're planning to harm others. Yes, absolutely. It is a, it is a good opportunity to uh, get some forewarning, to, uh, to give us an opportunity to detect something before it happens, which then would bring us to the intervention portion. What do you do? As you just did yourself, you, you saw something, you detected it, and then you had an intervention and, and I'm assuming that this uh, case you just described uh, had a good ending, where that, that student yes, was did. given some counsel and, and, and helped out. And so what we've been seeing since we're promoting that awareness and the, and the uh, direction and the encouragement to have people alert to detect these signs is we have uh, a marked increase in the the interventions, the number of interventions that we get involved with, and as I said, it's important for for schools to know that calling the police under those circumstances doesn't necessitate an arrest. It will bring some intervention. It can be in the way of counseling, psychiatric help, or in some cases where if a student is saying, "I'm coming tomorrow, and I'm going to shoot the school up, or I'm going to blow the school up." That rises to the level of making a terrorist threat just by making that statement and causing mm-hmm. so much alarm. And we've, we've increased the number of making terrorists a threats over the last three years. That those, those numbers have more than doubled. Wow. So that, that tells us two things. That tells us that you know, there's, some, there's some troubled students out there that are making these threats. And by the way, in none of those cases did we see the actual uh, ability to carry out that threat, which is a part of our investigation. But mm-hmm. making the threat itself is, is a crime, and students should know that. You're causing so much immediate alarm that that rises to a criminal event in and of itself by, by you know, similar to running into a movie theater and screaming fire. Your, exactly. Your, your alarm is so great that it's disruptive to the school. Schools have to be evacuated frequently. But the, the good news there is the, the people in the school districts now, the, the, the teachers, the principals, the superintendents, school boards themselves, are, are much more engaged in the process of looking for that problem student and bringing that person to our attention. The district attorney's office is very involved in this process mm-hmm. as well. In each case, 
where we where we uh, intervene. We have a conference with the district attorney. We evaluate whether it rises to the level of criminality or whether it should remain with the uh, uh, remedy being more directed towards some medical, uh, psychological, or psychiatric intervention. So it can okay. go either way. Okay. Chief, this is great information. Uh, at this time, we need to take a short break. But stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our distinguished guest, Chief Steven Skrinecki from the Nassau County Police Department. Uh, Chief, uh, the first half of the of, of your uh, interview here, you shared the active shooter scenario, and a question came to mind. Uh, do schools provide you with blueprints of their facilities? You know, that's, that is a great question, and it's something that uh, we're, we're really exploring right now. Uh, schools do provide us with the blueprint, yes, um, but what we're, what we're finding is we want to take it even beyond having the blueprint and, and uh, standing outside looking at a blueprint before you go in. What we're doing now with many of the schools uh, on Long Island in, in Nassau County is we're, we're first of all, we, we know that most schools have video systems, probably yours as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's video surveillance systems that are usually in-house. Um, they're, they're capturing different sections of the schools. And as we, as we delved into this problem back in 2012, and started looking for the best ways to address these situations, it occurred to me what a benefit it would be to the responding officers if we were able to view inside the school what was happening while we were responding prior to getting there to give the officer a little bit of a heads up as to what's happening. It's going to do so many things on the, on the first level it's going to aid the officer to get to the problem quicker. So, you know, we can, you can move around and look at a school via its video systems faster than you can run around by foot and find mm-hmm. something. Of course, you're going to be listening for, for gunfire. But it, it will provide more safety for the responding officer, more safety for the faculty and students, and guide us to the problem quicker. In addition and we saw this particularly in Sandy Hook in Connecticut, even after things are are settled down, even after a, a shooter is eradicated and stopped in one form or another, whether it's uh, whether that person is taken out by a police officer, uh, surrenders to a police officer, or commits suicide, as is most often the case, it still takes a lot of time to methodically search the building and secure the building. And during that time frame, uh, students and faculty are frequently, uh, due to necessity and safety, held in place for long periods of time. So being able to use that school video system can expedite a search to secure the building as well. So what we're doing now, and and this is our, our latest piece of our school safety program is we are inviting 
schools to share their video systems with our 9-11 system under circumstances where they are requesting through 9-11 police assistance. And we're, we're working with the BOCES group, uh, who I'm sure you're very familiar with. Uh, and yes. Several several of the uh, principals and BOCES have been uh, very, very uh, excited about this and helped help us to develop the program where they are already linked in to several of the school districts in Nassau County. And we have been able to use that technology and bring that link one step further into our 9-11 world. So the image comes through uh, through the network into what's called the BOCES Bowtie Network. Our 9-11 uh, system now and our 9-11 operators have access to that. So if we had an incident in your high school, let's say, we would check to see if your high school is one of the many that we have the link to, and we would then connect to your to the school and have access to those cameras so we would we would show the images from those cameras in two places one right in our 911 dispatch center two in our precinct uh commands at our at our precinct desks or our desk officer who is ultimately in charge of the operations ongoing operations in his or her precinct at the time can view those images as well and literally while our officers are responding to an incident the the CB supervisor the communications bureau supervisors as well as the desk officer can search the school via the uh, video systems and provide information to the responding officers before they're even on scene. So if we wow. have if we have a suspicious person down by the library, uh, we can tell that, the responding officer. If we're looking around and we see that suspicious person drop a knapsack by the gymnasium and, and run up a flight of stairs, we can tell the officer a, a suspicious person just dropped a knapsack by the gymnasium and ran up the stairs, and we now see him on the second floor by classroom, whatever. So when those systems are in place, to your original question, we get a floor plan of the school comes up with the video. In addition to the floor plan, we have the ability to key in and move around the school via the cameras that are positioned in the school and take a look and find the individual that is concerned concerning the school and us and, and and follow that person around the school as he's moving and direct our resources rapidly to, to that person. So that, that's incredible. This really sounds like NSA level um, surveillance and, and and security. This is cutting edge. Um, this is this is really the state of the art uh, in technology. Uh, it is complicated. I will tell you that it, it, the uh, principally the. It, it, it sounds nice and easy. Um, it's, it is technologically very challenging to do this, and we have some great people that are working on the technological development of these systems, and we have been testing these systems. We did a test in our second precinct already in connection with the Oyster Bay High School, 
We did a test in our third precinct, uh, not not the high school, but the Oyster Bay School District. And we mm-hmm. did a test in Manhasset uh, with their school district. Our next test is going to be in the Merrick area, uh, and we're going to be keep continuing to move around Nassau County. We have about 15 school districts now signed up uh, and in the program. So each school yep. district enters a little memorandum of agreement terms under which this this uh, what I just described would be put into action. Okay, now chief, is this grant funded or federal grant funded or do school districts uh absorb the cost of putting in these systems? Here's the beauty of this. There there's there's no additional cost if the systems are in place. Most schools have these systems in place. And if they're already linked into the BOCES program, there is no cost at all to the school district and no additional cost to us. It's just a matter of getting the tie in. So that that is one of the tremendous, uh, tremendously uh, beautiful things about this. It gets more complicated, and we haven't bridged this complication just yet, but we're still working on it. When school systems have disparate uh, video systems that are not in co- in connection with POCES. Okay. And, and Chief, let me just... a little exp- more challenging. Okay. And Chief, let me just explain to my, my listeners outside of New York. Uh, BOCES is the Board of Cooperative Educational Services, and it's a, a means for school districts to save money by pooling their resources through one location as opposed to each each individual school having to take on a responsibility uh, themselves. Um, I think that's a pretty accurate description of BOCES. <laughs> That is an excellent description, and here in Nassau County, um, the school districts and the police department are seeing that tremendous value, just as you described it. Uh, that is an entity that can can be a go-between uh, between individual school districts and the police department, and when it's used that way, it, it is a, a, a tremendous benefit for information flow, and it's also a tremendous cost savings for all entities. So we take full advantage of that system, as you just described it here in Nassau County, and it's been working really wonderfully. And we're, we are very appreciative of our partners in BOCES for uh, uh, lending a hand in that uh, in that design. And, and they've been instrumental in creating that design. Everything that I'm talking about, Mm-hmm. Uh, right now on your program has been developed through the cooperation of many, many meetings with school superintendents, with BOCES personnel, and with the managers in the police department. This is not no one individual's idea. This is a, a, a group think, so to speak, where mm-hmm. uh, we, we get together, uh, we analyze what's happened around the country, we look at our current situation, we look at our current practices, and we talk about what can we do to make it better? How can we improve uh, in, in our abilities to detect, to intervene, and to respond if necessary? Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, we have been speaking with Stephen Eastgrinecki, Chief of Department for the Nassau County Police Department. Chief Eastgrinecki, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Jonathan. Uh, this is an important topic. It's something that is uh, probably the utmost concern of any police executive right now. Uh, So it's a pleasure to uh, discuss this with you, and I thank you for addressing it. You're welcome, and thank you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next week as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors.